0: Hey everybody, this is Elise, host of the OncoPT podcast. And I wanted to spend today's episode talking to you about some of the tips and strategies that I'm using and that I have had others tell me they've used to prepare for the Oncologic Specialist exam. So if you're listening to this live, real time, today is September 30th, which means that tomorrow, October 1st, 2020, is the deadline to apply for the Oncology Specialist exam. So get those case studies in get your stuff in let's take the exam together and yeah this episode is going to cover 10 tips and strategies that you should be using to prepare for the oncologic specialist exam welcome to the onco pt podcast where you'll learn from oncology experts practitioners and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent onco pt here's your host elise decker All right, everybody so let's jump right in with those 10 tips and strategies and I'm going to start up front by kind of telling you some of the things that I've been using so far to help me study what me and other colleagues have been talking about and then what I've actually been hearing from listeners and previous guests who have been on the podcast who have taken the exam and then come back to tell me what they've used. So I've broken this down into different sections. And again, I'm going to start with the ones that have been working for me so far and then jump into what I've had um, recommendations from others and whatnot, okay? So number one strategy I've been using. So different textbooks. So specifically two textbooks I've been using. So this is tip number one, tip number two. So the Cancer Rehabilitation Textbook by Stubblefield. Now this book is... A big old textbook. There's no way around it. And I really like this textbook because it goes through some cancers specifically, kind of chapter by chapter, but then it also covers some specific treatments. So we've got chemotherapy, we've got surgery, we've got a chapter specifically on breast surgery. There's a radiation chapter, there's imaging techniques and whatnot. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. And It's really, really good. It's actually one of the top textbooks that's recommended um, as part of the guide for test takers that the um, Oncology Specialist Examination Board puts out. One of the things that I will let y'all know that I really wasn't aware of before I started really getting into the textbook was this is looking at cancer rehabilitation from a very kind of almost physical medicine rehabilitation standpoint. So almost coming more from a physician perspective, which makes sense because Stubblefield obviously is a physician. Um, And it doesn't really get into much of what i think we as oncology physical therapists need to know in certain aspects right it's very good for kind of big picture it talks through some side effects and whatnot of the treatments and what we should be looking out for how it affects a person but not really to the deep level i think we as oncology physical therapists need so that's why this is just one of the many tools that i'm using to help study for the exam Now, of course, disclaimer, I'm studying for the exam. I haven't taken the exam yet. But based on everything that I have, you know, in conversations I've had with other people, I seem to be on the right track so far. So I hope to give you an update um, here next year to let you know that I did pass. So tip number one, the Cancer Rehabilitation Textbook by Stubblefield. Now, tip number two is the Lymphedema Management Textbook by Zuther and Norton. Now, I have... um, I have earned my CLT, and then I took the LANA exam this past December. And this textbook really helped me prepare for the LANA exam, as well as, of course, it was the required reading for my Norton Lymphedema course. Uh, I'm not paid by them to say that. I just really enjoyed that course and felt like I learned a lot of stuff. And the textbook that they use, again, this Zuther and Norton Lymphedema Management textbook, was really, really good because, of course, it dives into a lot of the you know, the mechanism behind lymphedema and some of the physical impairments, but it also has a really great, you know, information throughout the textbook on how oncology, how cancer really affects lymphedema here in the States. As we know, you know, most of the people who will develop lymphedema in the United States, it is secondary to cancer. However, lymphedema does happen for other reasons, and it happens specifically for a very, very different reason in the rest of the world. I'm um, in less developed excuse me, countries. But even for this textbook being a lymphatic disease textbook, lymphedema textbook, Really, really great information on common side effects of cancer treatments and then how it affects the physical function of a person and really trying to think holistically here on how we manage this in conjunction with, you know, the other side effects and impairments that cancer and its treatment can have on a person. So really great textbook. Again, if you're studying for the Lana exam, I really, really recommend this textbook. I felt extremely prepared, and I know that the information here is also going to help me prepare for my um, oncology specialist exam as well. So next kind of chunk of strategies can be classified as different documents I'm using. And when I say documents, I'm not talking articles necessarily individually, but more kind of chunks or uh, sets of information that have been published by different entities that I am using as a whole to help me study for the exam. So of course, the first thing that we should be looking at is the, the candidate guide. So the oncology specialist certification exam candidate guide that the board puts out. And this lays out exactly what to expect with the exam what could be covered on the exam it talks through you know how to write the case study it gives you a um, like an example case study that was really really helpful for me in guiding you know what to even put on the exam you know on the the case study for the exam application and Again, it's a good guide. It's not going to walk you through step-by-step of, okay, this is how you pick a patient, and this is how you do this. But very general principles here, which of course, if they were to give us the step-by-step, well, that's not really their purpose, of course. So the candidate guide has been a wonderful asset to really just be able to refer back to as uh, I'm going through and trying to decide what to study next. And then along with that... The examination board has released a resource guide that is full of the recommended textbooks, that is full of recommended, you know, articles and different other courses and just other resources that they recommend that we use. This is not a comprehensive list. Again, that's not really their place to do so, but more to give you kind of direction. If you know that you are, if your practice is lacking in certain areas, then they have compiled a list of these resources that you can go and find and then really use to supplement maybe the gaps that you know you have when preparing for this exam. So strategy number three or tip number three would be the candidate guide for the oncology specialist exam. And then number four would be the resource document that the board has released to prepare for the exam, of course. Now, let's see if we've got one, two, three, four. Okay, now number five. So strategy number five that I'm using is the EDGE Task Force Summaries Annotated Bibliography. This, honestly, just divine gem if you, don't have, if you aren't familiar with it yet, if you haven't used it yet, you're really missing out. I use this all the time for all kinds of different things. And I found that it's really, really helpful for, of course, studying, but also to really decide what I need to be including in my evaluations. So for those of you who aren't familiar with this, this is a document that the APTA Oncology EDGE Task Force has put together based on all of the research that's been coming out over the past gosh few years into one place and really distilling it down so that you can take away the most important information on what you need to be including subjectively and objectively when you're working with patients who have a cancer diagnosis and some of these you know subjective and objective measures are very cancer diagnosis specific so they've got some for head and neck cancer for breast cancer for I think gynecological cancer, prostate cancer, maybe a couple others on there. But they've also got stuff for general cancer diagnoses. You know, maybe it's fatigue or, you know, mobility impairments. But really, really good stuff so that you can go in quickly and really be thinking about what do I actually need to be doing when I'm working with these patients so that I can get the most appropriate information to really be able to help these patients. Again, from my understanding, the exam is really to try and look at to see if you are indeed a, you know, expert clinician who can help patients who have an oncology diagnosis and for you to be a safe and effective clinician. I mean, that's what the hope is, right? That we would be doing that. So, this annotated bibliography is a fabulous resource for that, not just of course for the exam, but also for your practice in general. And then on that note, so strategy here that I have for number six, so the NCCN guidelines by cancer type. So specifically, it's the oh now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look this one up really quickly. I can't even remember the uh, abbreviation NCCN. I think it's the National Comprehensive. Yep, National Comprehensive Cancer Network. Okay, so this is a nonprofit organization that is composed of all these cancer centers across the United States. And they come together and it's basically a big old brain trust and they come out with guidelines for the treatment of different cancers. And it's easy to get lost in my experience. It's easy to get lost in these guidelines because they are so meaty. And a lot of times they go over my head because they are not meant for... Us as oncology physical therapists, these give you the medical management kind of roadmap for what kind of medical treatment the patient needs to treat their cancer, and this is broken down into different stages and different grades and different you know subtypes of cancers. But one of the things that I found really useful from these NCCN guidelines is what kind of chemotherapies are these patients going to be experiencing. Because then what I can do is I can then go and look at the different side effects from the chemotherapies I know are going to be a part of, you know, this diagnosis potentially based on these guidelines. Same thing for the other treatments. You know, what are the immunotherapies? What are, you know, what kind of surgeries might the patient be undergoing? What, you know, what kind of dose of radiation or what location? So there's all kinds of things that you can pull from these specific documents even though they're not specifically meant for the oncology rehabilitation setting really good stuff and if nothing else they also have some fabulous this is an aside here but they have some really wonderful patient guidelines that kind of break down what the like specific provider guidelines cover into a more um, easily digestible document and sometimes I'm even looking at that to give me some information instead of going to the medical provider one. Again, still really good stuff that gives me a lot of information and some guidance on, hmm, where do I need to go next in order to learn more about the specific treatment that this patient might be undergoing? So we've made it through the document chunk. So again, we've done books. Now we've done documents going from the candidate guide, the resource guide, the edge task force, and then the NCCN guidelines. Next up, one of the strategies that I have been using, and this isn't specifically you know a document or a book here, but I have actually been studying with a, a colleague of mine who we have fairly similar experiences. She's got a little different one because actually she has been through in oncology residency program. So she has, she's got a lot of the same foundation, but then she's got a little extra as part of having gone through the, um, the residency. And you know, my experience, I was in a completely different clinical setting. We bring so much together and are able to kind of teach each other certain things. And I know that there's, you know, that definitely doesn't fill in all the gaps, but that has been so useful. For me, I have found that if I can really explain things, you know, if I can talk to her and talk her through something and it makes sense, then I feel like I really know what I'm talking about. Um, That's something I actually tell my tutoring students because, well, that was told to me by, by, you know, by my professors. If you can explain it, then you understand it. Beyond the capacity to explain it clearly and feel like I really know what I'm talking about, my study buddy also keeps me accountable. One of the things I know would happen for me is that if I didn't have my study buddy and we have basically, you know, weekly or so dates where we get together over Zoom and we'll, you know, talk through the things that we we have been studying separately, we'll come together, we'll discuss them, you know, make sure that we understand it. But it keeps me accountable because I know that, you know, Gosh darn, at this time every single week, I'm going to have to be able to present, basically, this information. And if I don't, well, then I feel really stupid. She's not, you know, tearing me down or anything. But I expect her to be able to deliver that content to me. And I know that she expects the same of me. So that accountability is such a wonderful thing. And it also gives me a lot of encouragement. You know, when I feel like, man, I'm really struggling with, you know this particular topic, I know that my study buddy is always going to be there to build me up and to fill in those gaps and just to keep us headed in the right direction so that we can accomplish our goal, which is passing the exam. So even though that's not a specific, you know, something that's talked about in maybe the study guide, I have found it extremely beneficial and I know that it's helped me a lot, even just beyond the content, but just to stay on top of things. And it even pushes me to be better in my practice because I know that if I can have, you know, a a case that I can report back to her and she's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I would totally do that. Then I'm on the right track. So books, documents, a study buddy is a really good thing. And then number kind of the fourth big chunk of strategy here that I've used. So I guess this is technically strategy number eight. I have been told by several guests and by several audience members of this podcast who have since taken the exam that they actually used the podcast, this podcast, to help them study for the exam. And I have been, the first time I was extremely flattered and pretty much in disbelief because I said, "Uh, I don't know if that's quite right. I don't know if I really helped you, but I've actually had a few more people up to this point. Tell me the same thing, and so I feel like I'm really onto something. I don't know that it's necessarily the content I'm bringing, but more the guests and what they are bringing. Um, I have also heard that the particular the hematological cancer kind of uh, series I did last year was also very beneficial. So, kudos to you. You're already doing that certain part of the you know exam studying. If you're if you're doing nothing else, well then you can check this one off your list. So hooray for this podcast, and I know that there are plenty of other podcasts out there who are also helping, you know, fellow audience members study for the exam. So not just mine, of course, but it's good to know that this one is definitely headed in the right direction with some of this stuff. Okay, so two strategies to go. Let's talk about courses. One of the courses that I have started taking in preparation for the oncologic specialist exam is the survivorship solutions core competencies course and this is something that I've been hearing about for quite a few months Um, I actually had Jillian and Kristen on the podcast both separately and then together and I know that this has been something they've been building for a long long time they actually released it earlier this year but I think one of the things that was really telling for me is they actually had someone who took the course as like a beta tester who then came back after the uh, he took and passed the oncology exam and said, this helped me tons. And I've already found just by the little bit that I am diving into this course how beneficial it has actually been for me. And just forcing me to think outside of my realm which has for so long been specifically outpatient oncology. There's way more than that to oncology physical therapy and I feel like this course is really forcing me to think outside that but also in a much more interdisciplinary kind of multidisciplinary aspect as well. So just so you do know so it's not you know under the table I am an affiliate for this course so if you sign up you, through the link that I'll provide in the show notes, you do get a discount. And then I do get a small commission at no extra cost to you. But ultimately, I'm giving you each of these resources because I believe that this is these are really, really valuable things. And I will have a resource list at the end um, with some more information for on those for y'all. So strategy number nine would be the Survivorship Solutions Core Competencies course. And then let's talk number 10. So one of the things that I found really useful when I was working at a previous facility was a journal club. And so every month people would get together and someone would, you know, pick an article over some topic and then they would do a mini presentation. And then we would all sit around and talk about it. So one of the things that my study buddy and I have been kicking around and are actually going to start making happen, as in it's starting back up in October, is we are doing a Facebook journal club going through the different articles that the the board has put out that are part of that resource guide I talked about previously. So it is a completely free Facebook group for you to join as of, you know, September 30th, you know, October 2020. And we want this to be a resource for people who are interested in taking the exam. And so the expectation is if you join the group, then you will be, you know, a participant. You don't have to do things every single week. But to help kind of break apart the load, because if you haven't looked at that resource guide, there are like hundreds of articles truly. And it overwhelms me to think about it and doing them by myself. But I know that if I were to do it with some other people who could break it up, then it would be much more manageable. And we could still get a lot accomplished without having to put in the individual hours and hours and hours. So I'll link to that Facebook group in the show notes. But if that's something you're interested in, then please join. We would love to have you in there even if maybe you're not taking the exam this year. You know, but you want to start preparing potentially for it or see if maybe you're even interested in taking the exam. The Journal Club is going to be a great opportunity for you to actually kind of get your feet wet and, well, participate in a community of really great people who are really excited about oncology physical therapy. So let's run through those 10 tips again. From the top, so first chunk would be our textbooks. I've got the Cancer Rehabilitation textbook by Stubblefield, as well as the Lymphedema Management textbook by Zuther and Norton. Next up, we've got our different documents. So of course, the Candidate Guide on the exam, the Resource Guide for the exam, the EDGE Task Force Annotated Bibliography document, and then the NCCN Guidelines by different cancer types. Study Buddies, always a good strategy. And then the podcast here, so the PT podcast, which you're listening to right now, you know, almost like a little study buddy here. We've also got the Survivorship Solutions Core Competencies course. And then last but not least, our up and coming journal club on Facebook specifically for these articles. So if this is something you're interested in, we would love to have you. If any of these sound like a plan for you and you'd like to learn more about them, I do have a resource guide that I am linking to in today's show notes on my website. Please go in there, check out to see if you, you know, need any of those things. If you, you know, maybe have thought about them but haven't quite made the jump yet. You know, they're all there in one place. I found that they've been really useful so far and I'm actually really enjoying studying. Not all the time, but definitely sometimes because I feel like, it's already advancing my practice, even in the few months I've already been studying. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, guys. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much to all of those who gave me some input on this, have given me feedback, and are ultimately sharing what strategies they use to be successful when preparing for the C exam. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. For more episodes visit the oncopt.com.